Story eight of the Dwarf's Chamber and Other Stories by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story eight The Ivory Leg and the Twenty Four Diamonds. Members of a family may be selfishly proud of their individual perfections, yet take a collective pride in some special attribute or possession of their race the o'gradys for instance flatter themselves on owning a genuine banshee the mcsniffs think highly of the oary tower built by noah mcsniff to escape a second flood and the fitztudors are proud of their royal descent from a frail ancestress and a dissolute king such-like trifles give satisfaction to the most aristocratic families and raise them in their own estimation above the commonality these do not recognize adamic relationship otherwise than that they belong to the human race the Druxfields, having made money by army contracting during the peninsular war cast round for some fetish to boast of to expatiate on and to bore their friends with they had no ancestors worth talking about their baronial halls were a recent purchase and the family ghost of the former proprietors not being a fixture had passed away with the ancient stock ultimately they hit on jewels as the most respectable thing to be proud of and in pursuance of the idea they acquired twenty-four diamonds the like of which had never been seen since aladdin looted the cave of the lamp these were not all bought at once or by one person such wholesale buying would have reduced the whole affair to the level of a bond street purchase the collecting of these gems took time and money and possibly the loss of immortal souls for the last fifty years every member of the family who could beg borrow buy or steal a particularly fine diamond would forthwith contribute the same to the druxfield fetish each jewel worth no end of money had a history reputable or otherwise and finally four-and-twenty gems of the first water were brought together to constitute the heirloom of the druxfields the fetish ever consisted of these twenty-four diamonds but the stones varied in the setting according to the taste of the mrs druxfield then in possession they glittered a tiara for display at st james's or flared a jewelled belt for a waist sometimes they separated into bracelets of twelve gems each or again collected into a necklace shooting twenty-four sparks of fire in this latter form they were now as the present mrs Druxfield's fine neck and shoulders formed an admirable background for the display of their splendour experts valued the necklace at twenty thousand pounds and it fully justified in worth and appearance the pride of its possessors all the thieves in london had seen those diamonds going to court on the fair neck of mrs Druxfield, and had calculated the chances of getting them into their clutches they never found an opportunity of stealing them however as when not in use they reposed in the strong-room of Druxfield hall malvern the key of which was attached to the squire's watch-chain yet notwithstanding the impossibility of a successful raid one famous cracksman swore loudly that he would yet steal the jewels so far he had not succeeded his name was cracky bill of whitechapel and he was wanted by the police cecil Druxfield, who had lately succeeded to the property was a young man of thirty whose parents dying within a year of each other had left him and his wife in possession of the hall and the diamonds with them lived cecil's sister kate 
and mrs dreuxfield's uncle josiah onslow the young couple were handsome and agreeable the sister was a pretty girl fond of the curate and the uncle a bad-tempered ancient who owned an ivory leg this latter curiosity deserves a special mention it is not every man who possesses an artificial limb made of ivory and the major he had retired from service of the second e i c with that rank was as proud of it as was pelops of his ivory shoulder not born a Druxfield, he took no especial interest in the necklace and bestowed all superfluous pride on his ivory leg onslow had imagination and should have been a novelist as it was he told stories about that leg which outvied the arabian nights there were fifty distinct narratives as to how he had lost his limb and gained the artificial understanding he never repeated himself and lied like a journalist short of news the leg was turned like that of a pianoforte and carved out of all smoothness if any one asked him if it was vegetable ivory he threw everything handy at the head of the inquirer vegetable ivory you qualified fool he would roar no genuine ivory elephant's tusks bless me the rajah of dumdum gave me the leg for losing my own in killing a heavenly elephant that blessed nearly killed him the adjectives in this speech must be read contrariwise onslow was not a nice man and no great favourite with the young trio he drank sherry which was bad for his liver and played cards for stakes ruinous to his meagre purse only the love Druxfield had for his wife prevented him turning her relation out of doors by dint of much self-control they put up fairly well with his tantrums and were glad when he visited london which he did twice or thrice a month to lose money at his favourite pastime no one loved the old reprobate not even his servant whom he bullied unmercifully perhaps the present valet had not been long enough in his situation to love the major for he was a new importation onslow rarely kept his men longer than a month the incessant exercise of dodging missiles wore them thin the new valet fared better as he was deferential and had been an attendant in a lunatic asylum moreover he took a great interest in the major's ivory leg and when it was unstrapped at night he always carried it to his own room to polish up for the morning these little attentions pleased the crusty old man one evening in april the curate came to dinner he was a handsome earnest young fellow much in love with kate Druxfield. his affection was returned and it seemed probable that there would be a match every one favoured the idea save major onslow who hated the curate like poison all the scandal he could gather about the parson he repeated to cecil but as he had discounted his veracity by ivory leg stories this gossip merely provoked distrust after dinner the curate followed kate into the drawing-room where he made love with the consent and in the presence of mrs Druxfield. cecil left alone with onslow drank his wine smoked his cigar and listened to the major raging he was particularly offensive this evening and his speeches need expurgation i hate that sneaking parson he began without preamble Druxfield interrupted him smartly you are in the minority then jenny kate and myself think no end of him 
particularly kate sneered the major i suppose she will marry the fellow if by the fellow you mean clarence newell i have no doubt she will retorted cecil pointedly i know of no man to whom i would so willingly give my sister i thought you didn't like parsons then you thought wrong sir i am not aware of having manifested any particular dislike to the church besides i was at college with newell and i know him to be a good honest fellow i've heard different stories said onslow enraged by these contradictions it is said that newell is in a fast set maybe but he was not fast himself you are thinking of his cousin clive newell the initials are the same the natures are not you believe in him i see said the major huffily making for the door but mark my words he'll sell you yet i never knew a parson that didn't newell is quite sound major as sound as that ivory leg you his speech was interrupted by the banging of the door onslow did not like his leg being made a jest of and moreover finding he was getting the worst of it he retired to bed by no means sorry to see the back of this cantankerous elder cecil finished his claret and went to the drawing-room here he found the two ladies and newell in eager conversation the major has gone to bed jenny he said to his wife lost his temper as usual what a cross old man he is said mrs druxfield shrugging her shoulders cecil dear i hope he has not vexed you i really think we ought to take away his ivory leg until he promises to behave better never mind jenny whispered kate he is going to town to-morrow and will be away some days you look tired newell said druxfield patting his friend on the shoulder i have been busy lately answered the curate and besides i'm rather worried over a family matter that scamp clive again asked cecil in a low voice newell nodded and would have continued speaking but that kate interposed what are you two talking about she said then without waiting for an answer added oh cecil i want you to show mr newell the necklace he has never seen it and you promised me this morning at breakfast to bring it out come to the next drawing-room mr newell said mrs druxfield amiably and you shall see it on my neck i think he would like a closer inspection laughed cecil i'll fetch it down here do said newell eagerly you have no idea how anxious i am to see the druxfield diamonds what a curious odour observed druxfield sniffing you haven't any drugs in your pockets have you newell not that i know of replied the curate smiling but i was taking some medicine to a parishioner to-day and the cork came out of the bottle no doubt some of the contents were spilt oh that is it you ought to be more careful i declare you scent the room like a perambulating drug-shop sweet heavy sickly ah ah chloroform finished cecil and departed for the strong-room it seemed to kate who was watching his face that her lover paled a trifle at this last remark the momentary emotion passed but she thought it strange then they fell to talking of the necklace and its worth i declare said mrs druxfield with a pretty shudder that i am always nervous when going to the drawing-room to sit in a carriage with hundreds of curious eyes fastened on those diamonds is enough to shake stronger nerves than mine i don't see why you should fear jenny no one can steal that necklace it is too well guarded let us hope no one will attempt so daring a theft ah here comes druxfield with the jewels 
cecil placed the morocco box on the table and lifted the lid in the lamplight a glory streamed from the twenty-four gems even the two women well accustomed to the sight could not restrain a little cry of delighted surprise newell drew a long breath and gazed steadfastly at the glitter before him the stones but slightly set and connected flashed a circle of sunbeams a king's ransom he said and turned away as if to shut out the too fascinating sight they amused themselves with the necklace for some time and then closed the box it was left on the table shortly afterwards the ladies retired to bed and newell went up to the smoking-room with Druxfield. hardly were they outside the drawing-room door when cecil uttered an ejaculation of annoyance what a fool i am said he i quite forgot the necklace you know where the smoking-room is newell just go to it while i replace the diamonds in the strong-room newell assented and moved away while Druxfield went back for the necklace the box was still on the table and a glance inside assured him that the jewels were safe blaming himself for his inconceivable rashness in leaving the treasure even for a moment he went to the strong-room it was on the ground floor and approached by a long and somewhat dark passage with the case under his arm Druxfield fumbled at the lock of the door when suddenly an arm was thrown round his neck choking the cry on his lips a cloth saturated with chloroform was clapped over his mouth and he heard the morocco box clatter to the floor as he lost his senses mrs Druxfield in her dressing-room chattered with kate about the curate and playfully bantered her on her chances of becoming a clergyman's wife then kate retired and mrs Druxfield prepared for bed somewhat astonished at the unusual absence of her husband she was about to seek the smoking-room and reprove him when she heard a loud cry in a few minutes she was downstairs and found newell in the hall bending over the unconscious body of cecil what is the matter she cried alarmed by this spectacle i don't know gasped newell with a remarkably pale face he left me to put away the jewels i waited his return in the smoking-room he did not appear and i went in search of him he was lying unconscious by the strong-room door by the time this breathless explanation came to an end the whole household thronged the hall last of all the major followed by his valet jenkins stumped down the stairs loudly excusing himself for so late an arrival jenkins took my ivory leg to his room to clean he exclaimed i came down the instant it was strapped on now what is all this explanations were made a doctor appeared on the scene and cecil sat up confusedly to give his version of the episode chloroform exclaimed the doctor the diamonds said Druxfield. i have been robbed this explanation did not mend matters the moment before they had been concerned for the safety of their master now each and all wondered what was the penalty for robbery pale servants looked askance at one another and the female domestics shrieked themselves into hysterics kate kept her head and bore mrs Druxfield to her room leaving the men to deal with the matter unfortunately at so late an hour little could be done so there was nothing left for it but to wait until dawn opened the telegraph office newell finding himself useless in advising and doing went home in company with the doctor cecil and the major retired to bed but not to sleep 
few eyes were closed at Druxfield hall that night and the air was charged with terror and suspicion the diamond necklace was gone but no one least of all its owner knew who had thieved it so dexterously the next morning Druxfield wired for detectives and called in the local police i who tell the story was deputed to look after the case and on arriving at malvern i was put in possession of the facts from such statements i could not guess who was the thief and proceeded to examine the servants the result was unsatisfactory and i tackled the gentry Druxfield, his wife and sister could tell me nothing and altogether the loss of that necklace was as deep a mystery as ever i had to do with it rather added to my perplexity when i found that major onslow and his valet had that morning gone to london he had explained that he knew a man who would elucidate any mystery better than a professional detective and was going to fetch him down then i inquired after the curate and miss kate produced a hastily scribbled note he went to town this morning she explained not without embarrassment do you know on what business miss Druxfield? something connected with a relative said she glancing at the note i must say the conduct of the curate appeared suspicious Druxfield very unwillingly told me of the chloroform episode in the drawing-room this did not tend to exculpate newell so i examined the position of the smoking-room relative to the strong-room both were on the ground floor and it was easy to get from one to the other i suppose my suspicions showed themselves in my face for Druxfield took me sharply to task i know what you're thinking of said he that mr newell did not go to the smoking-room but when i returned for the jewels hid himself in the strong-room passage you are wrong it is absolutely impossible that he should be the thief yet his clothes were scented with chloroform and by that drug you were rendered senseless yes admitted Druxfield reluctantly but that proves nothing nothing save that he must have had chloroform on him yesterday rather a curious drug for a person to carry then he went to london this morning that looks suspicious i suppose you'll say he took the necklace with him well, it's not impossible i have known newell for many years said Druxfield earnestly and i assure you that he is incapable of such an act his sister who had overheard our conversation withered me with a glance mr newell is a gentleman and a clergyman she declared indignantly i would as soon think of suspecting my brother as him to-morrow he returns and he will face the charge you have brought against him i have brought no charge against him yet i answered and so closed the discussion notwithstanding all my efforts i could discover nothing likely to lead to the arrest of the thief the servants all asserted their innocence and supported one another strongly after the fashion of their kind in my own heart i suspected the curate and waited with some impatience for his arrival a personal interview would simplify matters rather to the dismay of kate Druxfield, he did not return next day thereby confirming my suspicions the last train brought the major full of stories about the curate none of which redounded to the young man's credit do you know why i went to town cecil he asked mr Druxfield in my presence to fetch some special detective of your own that was merely an excuse to keep kate quiet no i followed newell to town that is the curate major said i 
yes sir he answered triumphantly that sneaking parson i suspected he had something to do with the robbery and i am right do you mean to say that newell stole the necklace asked Druxfield, looking very pale yes i do i have no positive proof but strong suspicions those go for nothing wait a moment mr Druxfield. i whispered let major onslow tell his story after the robbery said the ivory-leg gentleman i thought the parson might have had something to do with it as i neither liked nor trusted him if my suspicions were correct i fancied he would go to town next day so at dawn i sent out to learn his movements sure enough newell was going to town by the ten o'clock train so without saying anything i followed him strange to say he drove from waterloo to my own lawyers i waited until his interview was finished and then i saw my solicitor he of course refused to reveal anything but he hinted sufficient for me to know that newell intended to pay him a large sum of money on that day i then had no doubt that newell had stolen the necklace and was about to raise money on it but i don't see of course you don't interrupted onslow cutting short Druxfield's remark you believe in the fellow i don't i know and you know that he hasn't a sixpence and yet he traffics with lawyers over large sums of money after that discovery i left the office and hung about all day most respectable employment sneered Druxfield. it was in your interest reproved the major with dignity in the afternoon i saw this wolf in sheep's clothing coming back while he was with the senior partner a clerk left the office and took a hansom i followed in another he went to the bank and presented a cheque for three thousand pounds i saw the cheque it was signed by newell now then concluded onslow triumphantly where did newell get that money if not by pledging the necklace Druxfield and i made no immediate comment things looked fishy for the curate and his actions fitted in neatly with the suspicion that he was the thief meantime i left onslow to gloat over his perspicuity and took Druxfield aside excuse me sir said i but i am about to say something rude say away he answered looking rather pale i won't be offended i have examined all the servants sir and i am pretty certain that not one of them is clever enough to have carried out this robbery suspicions point towards mr newell yet for the moment let us give him the benefit of the doubt and see who else could have stolen the jewels now if seeing i hesitated Druxfield anticipated my speech you are thinking of major onslow well yes i hear a good deal of club gossip and to tell the honest truth major onslow does not bear a good character i know all that said Druxfield bitterly he is an old rogue who would sell his soul if he has one to gratify his vices yet i don't think he is the thief he retired early to bed and his valet took his ivory leg away without that leg he could do nothing suppose his valet didn't take away his master's ivory leg ah you think the two of them are in it well, i can't say wait till i see the curate it seems to me that major onslow is suspiciously active in getting evidence against him at present i should like to see the valet uncle said Druxfield, returning to the old man can we see jenkins he didn't come back with me replied onslow gruffly i gave him permission to see his relatives when do you expect him back in a week 
you don't think he stole the necklace do you finished the major defiantly no said i shirking the answer but i have examined all the servants except your man it is only fair that he should have his turn wait here for a week and you'll see him replied the major ungraciously or go to my london club he calls there every morning for my letters and sends them on i don't trust club servants oh i shan't trouble so much about him i said so our party of three broke up it was too late that evening to wire but in the morning i sent a telegram to a brother detective containing instructions to see jenkins at the club by noon i received a reply with which i went in search of the major on the way miss druxfield stopped me mr newell is coming down this afternoon she said showing me a letter he will be here at four o'clock then your suspicions will be explained away i hope so with all my heart but i may mention miss druxfield that i brought no specific charge against mr newell i spoke to the empty air for by this time she was out of hearing my hintings had offended her mortally but no one could have held the curate guiltless in the face of the evidence against him next i found the major in the drawing-room and opened fire at once your servant is coming down by this afternoon train major who sent for him i did it is as well that i should hear what he has to say he has nothing to say growled the major sulkily he put me to bed and took my ivory leg to his room he wasn't near the strong-room or even downstairs his assurance of that will be quite sufficient so i am glad he is coming mr newell is also on his way i hope he won't have the face to show here indeed he is coming down for the purpose miss druxfield has advised him of your accusations and he desires to clear his character he won't be able to i'm certain he stole the necklace i had my own opinion about the robbery and held my tongue if the major was mixed up in the business with a valet he had received due warning that justice was on his track contrary to my expectations he was by no means startled the man puzzled me at five o'clock the train arrived and with it jenkins my brother detective was with him and the three of us had a conversation then we went to druxfield hall to see how mr newell was getting on he had come down by the same train and had at once gone off to look after his character it was about time seeing the major had done his best to spoil it when we arrived i left jenkins and his escort outside in the entrance hall as i was anxious to hear newell's defence before producing the valet as a witness all the gentry concerned in the matter were assembled in the drawing-room druxfield and his wife near the door opening on to the conservatory onslow standing in the conservatory itself newell with kate clinging to his arm facing the three he was quite pale and looked savage i absolutely deny the accusations of major onslow he was saying when i entered no one knows less about the matter than i do what about the chloroform sneered onslow and your hurried departure to town and the cheque for three thousand all that i can explain except the chloroform that is a mystery to me as to you i did spill some medicine in the afternoon and i fancied that was the odour to which druxfield alluded when he mentioned chloroform i was startled i've no doubt of it because added newell gazing defiantly at the major 
i had that day received a letter from my wretched cousin clive saying he had embezzled some money and threatening to poison himself with chloroform unless i saved him that was why you turned so pale said kate breathlessly yes and that was why i went to town next day it had nothing to do with the loss of the diamonds i drove to your lawyers and arranged to settle the matter by paying the money fortunately two months ago i inherited five thousand pounds on which i had hoped to have married and shall marry murmured kate under her breath i sold out some stock and got the money paid it to my lawyer who settled the matter for my wretched cousin i was arranging for his departure to the colonies when i heard through kate of major onslow's shameless accusations i came down here to refute them and i have done so not to my mind growled onslow i think otherwise said Druxfield, taking newell by the hand my dear fellow you are as innocent as i forgive me for having doubted you mrs Druxfield said words to the same effect and kate boldly kissed her lover before them all it was a pleasant sight save to the major who swore loudly this doesn't show who stole the necklace if it wasn't newell who was it oh, what about yourself major said i coming forward the four people turned round in astonishment and the major purple with rage started forward what do you mean sir he cried with a few adjectives which i suppress i went to the door and led in the respectable jenkins handcuffed i mean this major that your valet is about the biggest thief in london he has been long wanted for several jobs but he managed to evade the police thanks to your information he was captured at your club and brought down to give evidence against you against me said onslow growing grey i swear i had nothing to do with the theft of the necklace there was a dead silence and all waited for the next remark it came from jenkins from the respectable jenkins alias cracky bill ladies and gentlemen he said bowing collectively i told the police i would give evidence against the major in order to be brought down here but it is a lie my master is quite innocent and he added impudently so am i that won't save you my man said i sternly your other pranks means a lifer so you may as well confess your share in this well the major's innocent at all events said the rogue thank you my man muttered onslow thickly i'll i'll here he swayed to and fro then fell down in an apoplectic fit there was a snap as he fell and lo a marvel the butt of the ivory leg had caught in an interstice of the conservatory floor and when he fell the leg smashed Druxfield uttered a cry of astonishment and pointed to the ivory stump from it fell a rain of diamonds the next moment newell and Druxfield were picking up the jewels and the women were loosening the neckcloth of the old man i gripped jenkins by the arm and indicated the scattered jewels you lied he is guilty not a bit of it said the scamp coolly don't you run your head against a stone sir major onslow hasn't been a bad master as masters go and i'm not going to get him into trouble he is quite innocent then how did the diamonds get into the ivory leg i put them there it was this way i wanted to steal those diamonds and by means of a forged character i entered the major's service 
then i watched for a chance to steal the jewels i thought there would be no opportunity of getting out of the house during the first alarm if they were stolen so i looked about for some safe place in which to hide them till i could take them to london at my leisure as i cleaned the major's ivory leg every night it gave me an idea i bored a hole halfway down the leg and dropped the diamonds in one by one they just filled the hollow nicely how did you steal them i heard miss druxfield say at breakfast that the master was going to show them to mr newell so i watched all my plans were made and i waited by the strong-room door with a chloroformed handkerchief when he came along i used it and stole the jewels in my own room i separated them one from the other and dropped them into the hollow of the ivory leg then i plugged up the end with cotton wool and a round of ivory the alarm was given the major called for his leg and i took it to him he went down to the hall with the diamonds safe in the ivory leg ah cried newell at this moment you helped me off with my coat now i understand the smell of chloroform i sprinkled you with a little replied jenkins you see parson i wanted to get suspicion to fall on you but for the smashing of the leg i wouldn't tell all this but i've lost the diamonds and my liberty so it doesn't matter the major had by this time revived somewhat and sat up to swear at his quondam servant you villain he said oh you villain and this said jenkins as we marched him out this is gratitude jenkins received the reward of his ingenuity and passed the rest of his life in jail for this and other offences he always regretted not having pulled off the ducksfield fetish the major took himself away from malvern and declined to have further dealings with the Druxfields. they were by no means sorry and indeed had no time to be for shortly afterwards kate Druxfield married newell to the delight of all i can imagine the major's language when he heard of the marriage he wears a wooden leg now the twenty-four diamonds were at the last drawing-room on the neck of their owner i have no doubt that sooner or later another attempt will be made to steal them but it is questionable whether any thief will be as ingenious as cracky bill alias jenkins but then it isn't every valet and thief who chances on a master with an ivory leg End of story eight.